Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. As promised, remainder of the 15 and 60, I'm going to do Miami through Washington today. So quick note, we are recording this ahead of Wednesday's game, since there's a Warriors game we're both going to. Unavoidable. And let's get started with the 26 and 10 Miami Heat. 11 and 5 since the last 15 and 60. A couple of weird losses on the road, but also some good wins, especially at home, beating Indiana and Philly in close games recently. Plus 3.5 net rating, that is 11th in the NBA, 11th on offense, 11th on defense. Wow, symmetry, eh? Uh, Projecting still for only 51 wins, they will be making the playoffs, so going to 538, and that 51 wins would be good for the fifth seed. So Danny, we're going to try something new here. You are going to be the timer. Let's get seven minutes on the clock for the heat here and if you could give us our first question uh the one that i think is uh good to start with is from um anthony zamberlin can bam Adebayo and tyler hero develop enough during jimmy butler's window to be a realistic contender if none of their others fall off yeah that's an interesting one you know, i can answer I, if yeah. you want to think about it i bet yeah no that. go ahead if you, so if you got so for, right. for me the answer is probably not so as much as highly as i think of bam i had him in my top 10 prospects and hero with a larger sample you know could get into that conversation conversation i like a, a lot of what he can do he has impressed me compared to how unimpressed i was in summer league but remember how much teams need to be in that rarefied air the the teams at the top right now have brighter star talent than the heat do and they have mostly better support players than miami does and so i think that the biggest thing they would need and this ties in kind of to answer another question that, that we could get into to me the biggest thing that they need in the kind of the near term and the long term if that if we're talking into that conversation is a another way to generate reliable offense that could be a, I, I would say ideally it's a, a pick and roll creator but you could go in a couple different directions because while Miami to me Miami offensively they have enough to do well against bad teams in the regular season and mediocre teams they're 11th in offense of course I, I think that they need more when you're facing you know the, the selection that comes in when you face the best teams they're going to have superior defenses and I think Miami's offense will bog down I, th- I expect that we'll see that in the playoffs in some ways to me this question is more about butler than it is about bam and hero i think hero could potentially blossom into a solid number four on a team i think bam if he's your number three guy that could maybe be a championship level of player as well yeah butler pretty decent number two guy as long as he doesn't fall off but then you're totally missing the number one guy still i think that butler even at his absolute best was top 10 uh, maybe a top 15 type of player that's still where i'd put him at this point He's just not, he's never really had the usage that a number one star would have. I think if you saw his struggles against Ben Simmons in that Philly game, that's a perfect example where you really put the best guys on him and he may struggle to create. Now you can do a little bit in pick and roll, but I think his finishing and ability to get to the line are waning and will continue to do so over the next couple of years. That's what happens when you get into your early thirties, unless you're LeBron James or Michael Jordan. And so that's really where I see it as more of the issue rather than bam and hero but everyone is kind of for real championship contention i think they need that one more player maybe that comes in the summer of 2021 but more likely than not they'll kind of be a 50 win group here for the next few years and uh, unfortunately bam and hero will be on the ascension whereas butler will be on the decline but we'll see i mean maybe they'll get another player that comes out of nowhere or maybe they could do it 2004 piston style with just so much depth all of which they've developed but there's a reason that that 2004 pistons team is the one that people always mention for winning without a star because nobody else really has i mean not that they didn't have stars they had a lot of good players but you know a top five player in the league uh they're really the only team that's done that 
A good conceptual question that we can do briefly from uh, at Sardonia's underscore, what kind of big man would you ideally want next to Bam long term? And I, I like to separate offensive and defensive roles for everything, but especially for bigs. And to me, Bam is a center defensively. I think that's his best role. Something, and this isn't all out of bio, but I do like that the Heat have, def- have defensive rebounded well since he's been on the floor. They're 81st percentile in defensive rebound rate with Bam on the floor this year. Totally happy with that. And, and you know, a lot of those minutes are with Myers Leonard, but Myers Leonard is not this rough and tumble rebounding big, though he is bigger than most fours, if we're going to call it that. And offensively, the most important attribute is floor spacing. And so, I mean, whether that player is nominally a five or a four, I think matters a little bit less. But really, you want a, a guy who can face the floor and fits defensively in their system, presumably at power forward with how Spell wants to do things. But they're going to need to be mobile. That, that's why I'm thinking it's a four. Yeah, and just to have a little bit more versatility as teams downsize in the playoffs, the ability to switch because Bam can do that. You'd like to have a guy who can do that as well and can shoot the ball. Not a ton of those players out there. That's part of why perhaps they start with Myers Leonard. But offensively, yeah, the guys got to really be able to shoot other, or you're going to be choking off the spacing to some degree here. Nunn or Robinson, who is the more valuable player type for the Heat in a vacuum as uh, Mark Queen KW? E-E-N. Uh, you know, I don't know the most valuable player type. I would say probably Hero if he, or I'm sorry, sorry, probably Robinson. If he really is this level of shooting, Spoke called him like a top, I forget, like one of the best shooters in the world, basically. I don't know if he put a number on it, but he has shot like that this year. Robinson actually uh, taller than you think. He's in the 6'8 type of range. I think his defense has been a pleasant surprise this year. I, I like Nunn a little bit better defensively, but he doesn't have as much size. But there are a lot of shot creators who can have 52%, 53% true shooting, whatever it is that Nunn is at right now. Uh, Nunn doesn't really get to the foul line. He's not a great passer. I think it's actually easier to find those guys than the really good shooter that Robinson is. So I'd go Robinson. I would if, as in well. fact, this is real for both of them, we assume this is their level of performance. Sorry. I would as well. Like, There is an interesting kind of facet here that I think you could argue on this Miami Heat team, having somebody like Nunn is very valuable, especially with Justice Winslow missing as much time as he has. That the, And Jimmy, remember, Jimmy Butler at the beginning of the year, part of when Nunn was making that Rookie of the Year case, which is now falling to a number two Rookie of the Year case, was they needed a shot creator, and now they have more options there. But as you were saying, the supply issue ends up being the dominant factor, and and none is a better, none, none might be, you know, more immediate in that kind of sense, but there are many more guys who are at his level or similar. And we are almost exactly at time. So unless there's something else you really want to answer, we can move on. I'll do this one quickly here. I know the right answer is both, but when Miami succeeds with guys like Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, do they attribute it more to their scouting or their player development? Yeah, I mean, it really does have to be both, especially when they're bringing a lot of these guys out of Sioux Falls as well. It's not even that they're just identifying. Now, Nunn, that was more pure scouting. I mean, they got him out of the G League and had a summer with him. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they just do an amazing job in both of those things let's go bucks here what are their fundamentals the milwaukee bucks are 32 and 5 14 and 2 since the last time we hit them in a 15 and 60 first in net rating at a whopping plus 12.3 second in offense first in defense 538 projects them to win 64 games which would not only be first in the east but first in the overall nba and surprise surprise the number one team is going to make the playoffs they did have a weird loss in san antonio i did not get a chance to watch that game but that's the one that would be interesting you might say hey if san antonio loves their mid-range and and they shoot it well for mid-range. That's actually, uh, you can get something there against the Bucks defense. We saw Kawhi also really eat in mid-range against them in the playoffs. But let's start with uh, Sam Kube, Showtime Sam, he, he mentioned himself as. What type of player do you think Milwaukee should target with the assets acquired from the Brogdon signing traders of first and two seconds? Would someone like Bogdan Bogdanovich be the type of player they need that could realistically be acquired? What do you think? I would like to see somebody else who can handle the ball a little bit and I and obviously they have to be able to shoot and so yeah Bogdanovich would be nice so the first that the Bucks are getting it's lottery protected but it looks obviously like the the Pacers are going to make the playoffs in 20, 2020 so that means it would convey this year which is of more value to a lot of general managers it's it's less conceptual and and they can be more tangible even though this draft class as I talked about San Vicini a lot on Real Jam Radio is, is not the most inspiring really anywhere in this class um whether that's enough for Sacramento, I mean, I think I think it probably 
I mean, so that's going to be, you know, let's call it like the 20th pick. Um, I mean, that would be a pretty good, that would be a very good return for Sacramento if they don't want to bring Bogdanovich back. But the other major consideration for the Bucks, and I was just writing about this for the, for the Athletic, and is unless ownership is willing to pay the luxury tax, Bogdanovich probably pushes them in that direction. So if they're willing to do that, then more power to you than because Bogdanovich is about to get, let's call it properly paid with restricted free agency. And they would have full bird rights, so the Bucks could retain him but that is an open question so i think if they're willing to make it a long-term commitment bogdanovich would be a worthy one if that price is enough for the kings however that's a question we don't have an answer to yet yeah presumably Ilyasova might be in that trade i think they would want to avoid trading robin lopez if they can uh maybe it would be dj wilson they probably really like dante divincenzo enough uh that might be someone i'd be targeting if i were the kings trying to get something for bogdanovich and i still think the Kings should hold on to bogdanovich i i like him and and see what happens in restricted free agency here but yeah i think that player type i mean he doesn't he doesn't put as much pressure on the rim as malcolm brogdon did which is something that they really needed but i think he off the dribble shooter he could give them a little bit more than what brogdon was giving them last year and i like his passing pretty well so he would be an interesting target for them and could stay in their system but if not the luxury tax this year it would be the luxury tax next year you would think for them uh having to re-sign him if Giannis declined the Supermax, what would the Bucks be able to get back in trade after the AD trade? Well, a couple of things there. Number one, I think even if he declines the Supermax, they just go the Kevin Durant 2016 route. And now it's a little different uh, or, or 2015-16 route because you're a championship contender and you think hey we're the whole point of being in the nba is trying to win a championship getting a player like Giannis to begin with now if they like let's say they lost 4-1 in the second round of the sixers or something and it was just like okay we're not even close here Giannis doesn't even think we're close then maybe they would think about it but to me you just hold on to him and play it out even if he declines that supermax again it's a little different than kd because there wasn't a supermax at that time that they could offer kd in an extension the cap was going up in the summer of 2016 he really had to wait until then to get the amount of money that he wanted to get that's not the case with the honest so it would be more of an they would have more of an indication like okc could tell themselves well hey he's not we can't offer him the amount of money that he would get anyway so the fact that he's waiting until the summer i mean that's the whole reason they brought in the supermax right was so you could give the guy enough money and then force him to make a decision and trade him early if you needed to but they're good enough that i think you still have to hold on to him and come what may so i i just don't foresee that scenario and for one year left on the deal oof, it, i mean there just aren't enough great assets out there i mean the lakers were so interesting because they had all these number two picks uh, on the roster they had their picks uh, all their picks going forward and they had an older lebron as well so the thought was maybe hey lebron will decline and these picks that are way out there it could be worth more they had the number four pick that they'd just gotten in the draft then the clippers same thing they had shea gilgis alexander who was a, a great asset they had Gallinari so I don't see a team out there with the assets of the Lakers or Clippers that would also be somewhere that Giannis would want to go and re-sign so with all that said I don't think the package would be as big if only because that package doesn't exist not that not because Giannis isn't even more valuable than AD or uh, Paul George slash Kawhi when they made those trades yeah I broadly agree with you I'll answer one from at Ian Lambert 126 has a legitimate reason been revealed for why the Bucks didn't create a trade exception when they traded Malcolm Brogdon um if memory serves and it and and I didn't do digging I mean we're in the last minute of the answers on this question uh what happened was they needed to squeeze every dollar basically to get yeah to get all their their free all their free all their free agents in and also remember that since Brogdon was a base year compensation player the exception would not have been the full value of his contract it would have been half of that and so it still could have been valuable but I believe what happened was they needed you know they negotiated terms with George Hill. They negotiated with Brooke Lopez. And that was the, because remember, they used cap space to sign those guys. Um, and then they, they got Robin with the room. So I think that they need, basically needed every dollar, kind of that perspective. And Brogdon would have counted it as cap hold. So that would have been a material difference, presumably for George Hill. And, you know, George Hill has played really well this year. So if that's what it took to keep him, Hill was an unrestricted free agent, then so be it. Yeah, Albert Namad and I talked about this a little bit. He's tweeted a little bit about it. Basically, I think it was about an extra million
million bucks that they would have needed to use their cap space and keep the cap hold of brogdon on the books the problem the reason they lost the trade exception was they signed brogdon then trade him away then they had to lose the trade exception to use the cap space the idea would have been you hold on to the cap hold use the cap space and then after that you go over the cap trade away Brogdon and then you maintain the trade exception if you go below the cap by far enough including the amount of the trade exception then you lose him and they were uh, yeah. almost 20 million under now well, what they could have done was either number one get Hill to take a little less or number two guarantee a million of his 21 22 salary which is totally non-guaranteed at 10 million and maybe get him his extra money that way or maybe even a little more of it to account for the time value and that yeah, or do an or do an unlikely bonus scheme I think they could have done something there like I think there yeah. would it could have been a pathway to make it happen considering the creative accounting like sean marks did for example yeah so the answer is no there is not really a good reason to me uh, why they couldn't do it we weren't there maybe george hill just oh i'm not gonna do that under any circumstance that seems a little weird but perhaps more likely they felt eh you know we're pretty close to the tax anyway we're not gonna take on 10 million in salary so what does it matter uh we're we're over time yeah okay Uh, man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found he looked sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time 
time here in the room. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us. Let's go on to the New York Knicks. The Knicks are 10 and 27, 6 and 10 since the last 15 and 60. They are 27th in net rating, 27th in defense, and nine, or sorry, 27th in offense, 19th in defense. Their 538 projection has actually gone up pretty significantly in the last few days. They're up to 22 wins, still last in the East, but Yay. I think they were 18 or something like that beforehand. And I think this is a, a worthwhile question from Jonah Levine. Uh, it kind of ties in with a couple different things. Uh, at Jonah Levine 69, do you think? that the Knicks can compete for the AT or should they have a fire sale to accumulate more assets? In terms of the win column right now, or actually let's use the loss column because because they're we're talking about them in the playoff conversation, they're currently not only seven wins behind the Nets and the Magic, who are this who are this seven and eight right now, respectively. That's a lot. But remember all the other teams in front of them. So not only would the Knicks have to outplay those teams by seven games, they would have to outplay everybody between them and those teams. And I don't think that's realistic, even though they played significantly better under Mike Miller. That is a lot to say. And that said, I mean, I think they're, unless one of their players, you get a rich enough offer right now, you know, we're, we're recording this in early January, where you say, but man, there's not going to be an offer that good a month from now. You could hold on for another couple weeks. And if you go on a tear and go, I don't know, six and two or something like that, then maybe you reconsider. But it's a long way to go. By the way, the term fire sale originated in reference to the sale of goods at a heavy discount due to fire damage. <laughs> so if you want to say that the next season has been a tire fire, perhaps uh, that, that means that some of their goods uh, were, were damaged uh, in the fire. Um, yeah, they are playing better. At least they're playing in a way that might be more commensurate with where their over-under was instead of 10 games below that, you know, around the 27 win mark. Clear to me that they don't have the talent to compete for the playoffs this year so i i agree with you i i it's everything that's not tied down if you can just get something you might as well go ahead and do it they need to get more talent in this system and if you're really looking at the long term of this team i mean i guess you think uh, rj barrett is going to be your number one best player he hasn't shown enough to earn that lofty status kevin knox is eh, you know as john said the other day looking uh perilously close to the b word so far but i still think there's something there for him in terms of his shooting ability i think mitchell robinson could be a solid starting center in the future but they well, just okay, they well, need more sorry here's a yeah. question i want to ask you you talked about Knox being close to the b word is, is it about the term fire sale it is not about the term fire sale <laughs> i i am more firm i would say that kevin Knox is is going to be the b word i was also lower on him beforehand probably than than most yeah. of his I, I mean he's i think he's he can he's shown some shooting ability and he's got size okay but here so here's the question to me if you are less confident that he will be something this is around the last time if that thought is right that you could probably get something for him from a team that feels differently like i think it's fundamentally different to trade him now than over the summer especially if you want to give Knox playing time now so would you listen on the idea that maybe somebody still overvalues him and you can you could kind of strike before the iron is cold so what do you think you're getting for him second rounder well if it's a second i think unless it's like a really good second i especially in this draft i probably hold on i was thinking more like a either a, a 20s first or a second and a player of interest that sort of thing i might consider i might consider doing it but i mean the the counter is he's a forward forwards are really hard to find so if if he can even be a rotation player there's value yeah i would certainly be listening but and also he's going to get a chance the second half of this year for sure once and that's the other thing too is going back to the last question about trying to make the playoffs one of the resources that they have is playing time and so you want to find out if Knox or Nilakina can really play and so if you were to move on from Marcus Morris if you were to move on from Bullock or Wayne Ellington you're going to give those guys more of a chance and see maybe in that second half of the year if they can do better you know I agree with you I don't think Knox is going to have a great second half of the year but there's a chance that they keep him around that he, he could start to look better especially offensively and maybe his value could go up i think it probably goes down because i don't think he's that good and so the more he plays the more he will demonstrate that so if you could get something for him now i would agree with you but to see if there's anyone out there who might be interested i'm not sure who that team might be uh mike miller supporter 
at MDK, or I'm sorry, MDTKB. What player will Frank Nilakina be in five years? The comparison that I had for him in the draft was George Hill. And worth noting that George Hill, when he was drafted, I think he was a four-year player at IUPUI in that 2009 draft to the Spurs. When he was drafted, he was still, I think, a year older than Nilakina is right now. Now, I think it's pretty clear that Nilakina doesn't have just the, the kind of movement that George Hill has, uh, the handle. He's nowhere near the type of score. Uh, his, Hill wasn't known as a great shooter coming out, but he turned himself into that, obviously. Um, so what can he be? I think he can be a solid backup guard who can run a little pick and roll. He's, he's shown some passing ability out of the pick and roll. It, so I, I think backup point guard can also guard some shooting guards. Maybe you play him in two point guard lineups. Maybe he can kind of play a Dalon Wright type of role for you, although he's not, he doesn't have anywhere near the sort of feel or finishing, I think, that Wright did. But yeah, backup guard is probably what I see who can shift between the one and the two uh, guard guys and maybe run a little pick and roll, hopefully hit an open shot. That's the hope uh, for where he could be in his career. I don't see him as a starting level player at this point. I'll do this one really quickly from at Oren Brooklyn. Do you think that uh, Chris Paul to the Knicks trade is the right move? Uh, f- so there are a couple parts of this. The benefit for Oklahoma City would be getting off of his contract but there are many ways for them to get out of the tax this year and they're basically clear of it moving forward oklahoma city cap space to them is probably not super valuable just because they're not a destination realistically until they get good enough and that's going to take some time and then from the knicks perspective chris paul would raise the crap out of their floor but raising your floor when you're not good enough to actually do anything with it isn't super valuable so the knicks would be better sure maybe they could even be a fringe playoff team but he you know paul is not on the right age time timeline for it and also i, I mean th- that would be a big sacrifice of flexibility for a couple of years because i expect paul to pick up his insanely lucrative player option and unless he wants to do something fundamentally different so i don't think it's particularly a move that makes sense for either team right now maybe 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 in july if circumstances change they want the thunder want to give shay the keys the knicks don't really care as much about where their draft pick is and lottery reform changes the calculus but not enough how are we doing on time we're at it the orlando magic 17 and 20 8 and 9 since the last 15 and 60 negative 0.6 net rating is actually 15th in the nba we have quite a bit of stratification with really those top 12 teams in the nba and then the last two see i guess you could starting to throw the thunder into that maybe it's a, a, a top 13 but uh, so that's how you get the 15th team in the league with negative net rating offensively 26th and considering the way they started the first two three weeks of the year when they were last in the league like 95 offensive rating that's actually a pretty good improvement and they remain fifth in defensive rating although that's in a scrum with a a lot of other teams uh, with that 106.2 defensive rating projecting for the seventh seed at 39 wins and 88 percent chance of making the playoffs uh james at J deacon 1978 is there a trade orlando could make to make them competitive in the playoffs who's the best player they could get in return for gordon Uh, take the first question here i don't think so i don't think any player who's realistically on the market right now would do it for them even if they got say drew holiday i still don't see them beating any of those top six teams in the east if they're matched up with them and then when you look at the fact that they're so much lower than the 16 i don't see there's any way they could avoid playing against one of the top two teams in the east even if they did make this trade right now so no i don't think there is a trade out there and obviously that would involve a lot of more mortgaging whatever they perceive their future to be also worth noting that the magic do not have much in the way of assets in terms of the draft the the only pick that they have incoming or outgoing is the lakers 2022nd which is among the least valuable assets that exists um i mean it's a bottom of the barrel for bottom of the barrel second and also you you know what that's from is that the taylor horton tucker trade Ooh, i thought i think it might be from the howard trade uh 6 20 2019 i think that's the taylor horton oh um all right yeah that would that would have been real fun um but yeah so i I don't see you know the type of player that would make that sort of difference i don't think it's available for what the magic have and it's they're not really in that type of place uh the question i want to do is from ekofsky uh what do the magic do with evan fournier he has a player option can opt out after season what does he do does the magic resign him so a couple pieces of context here i think fournier's option decision is what maybe the most compelling one of the most compelling in the entire league it is a 17 million dollar option 
17.2 if we want to get really specific. And Fournier, he he is 27 now, will turn 28 early next season. And the decision that he has to make, considering how few teams have cap space. So so one big question is, how much leverage does he have on the Magic? Because if the Magic can pay him, then it doesn't, it, if they're willing to go that far, it doesn't matter as much how much leverage other teams have. But then the other part is... I could see him just at that age range turning turning 28 early next season saying this is a year's question. You know, like it's entirely possible that he could get a richer contract by waiting another year, especially if he has a strong season for the Magic in, in 20 slash 21. But there's a risk premium there. And, and Fournier, you know, he's been making in the mid-teens. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But if maximizing salary is a part of his priorities then i could see him opting out and then either going somewhere else or staying you staying with the magic a la vooch in in order to maximize his his security yeah i think uh, they might want to hold on to him their salary structure is actually pretty impacted going forward uh, and between Fultz and john isaac presumably they're going to want to extend both of those guys so maybe there's a thought that they wouldn't necessarily want to bring him back at, at some point either he or ross is probably going to need to go um as far as who might be interested in him i could see charlotte maybe being interested in him they, they project to have about 24 million in space i don't know if they'd use all of that on him but they could really use someone with some size as a secondary creator i could see him being a decent fit in memphis they don't really have much long term at the two there either you know him dylan brooks and jai you know that's not, that's not bad i mean he's the sort of vet that either of those teams trying to take a little bit of a step forward might be interested in he's still relatively young plays okay defense and can shoot it can handle it. he's got some pretty good versatility so you know I mean, we haven't seen him at a, a later point in the playoffs since uh, he was in denver but uh you know i think he's the sort of competent player that could be available and maybe even for a relative discount at least over what players of his ilk have gone for recently because there's just not that many players on the market so i think pretty clearly he would opt out and maybe even the magic could get him back at a discount and he could be another trade asset for him but if he keeps playing this well i think the opt-out is, is a relatively clear decision to me a question from uh steven gillaspie how do, would you, you want to do a lightning round here how much time do we yeah let's we can, uh, we have two minutes we can do okay all right you want to pick one then you want to pick a lightning or one um how would you grade orlando's young core of isaac fultz and mamba Ooh, <laughs> well, no, it's actually, unfortunately, it's Mamba, Mo Mamba. That's pretty funny, though. If we start calling him Mamba, people would be very upset. Um, And how do you build around them? Yeah, a lot of defensive players, not a lot of shooting in that group. You know, I'd say they're kind of around average. And Bamba, to me, hasn't shown that much this year. So I'm not sure he's even worthy of being part of that core. Yeah, especially because yeah. he doesn't fit well with Isaac. Like that, that to yeah. me is the, is the, offensively, those two guys are a little bit, they're, they're not superfluous. They just don't do enough together. And then defensively, it could be really interesting, but that's not really yeah. enough to, to warn it. Yeah, it's a very good defensive group, assuming Bamba comes around, which I wouldn't assume. But uh, just not enough offense there. Who who is the primary creator? Fultz has looked better of late, but I mean, unless he co- gets back to having that great jumper, not going to happen. Um, where do you want to go? Uh, what is Mobamba's ceiling as an offensive player? To me, he fits the uh, the 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 vision that I had actually for Scalabissier back in the day, which was a low usage center who ideally can space the floor a little bit. I liked Bamba's the mechanics of his jumper going back to the Nike Hoop Summit. I think that was 2017. Uh, and but I don't think he has the versatility of his game to offensively to do to do a whole heck of a lot more than that and that's okay you know but i would be i haven't seen anything especially with him being so slight to make me think that he can do more in the post or be a bully or anything like that maybe if he runs the floor hard in transition he can he can get some of that you know the willy Colley stein opportunities like last year in sack yeah, I mean, the thought would be Miles Turner without the finishing around the rim or the post-up ability, but he's much skinnier. I don't think he quite has the feel for a shot blocking that Turner does. I don't think he's quite the natural shooting touch that Turner does. So, But if you're saying ceiling, yeah, you could squint hard and find a scenario in which he, he could become that type of a player. We got time for one more? Yeah, we just did the buzzer, but that's fine. It's a light. What do you think of what, uh, this is from uh, Shaq Nitsu. What do you think of what Marco Fultz has shown so far as a room for growth into becoming a good starter even more? Yeah, I think so. You'd have to have the right pieces around him, but so much of that pick and roll game that he had, you know, this is kind of advantage attacks 
transition has been what he's been effective at i mean the jumper is still gonna have to improve now if you want to say hey look how much better it is than this time last year okay yeah you know maybe maybe you can uh project an improvement but his form is still so much different than it was back at washington i still don't project it to be really a, a positive so um i think it's been good he's shown athleticism he's starting to get a little bit of that bounce in his step again but without the jump shot he can't become the pick and roll maven that we really hoped Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It would be. Let's jump to the team that drafted Markel Fultz first overall, the Philadelphia 76ers. They are 24 and 14, a disappointing 9 and 8 since the last 15 and 60. They're still 8th in net rating at plus 4.1. They're 13th in offense, 6th in defense. 538 projects them to win 55 games, which will be tied with the Celtics for second, and they are going to make the playoffs. Oh, this is great. Extend Kenny 97. What year will Ben Simmons be traded? What do you think? 2023. So you're going to give it this year, next year, year after. Actually, no, I'm going to go with 22. I'm going to say either the 22 deadline. So they 22 deadline or 22 in uh, off season. Yeah. So that would be this year and two more. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so much depends on what happens with Joel Embiid, right? I think there's a, a feeling that maybe injury wise, he's a, a ticking time bomb. If Joel just like ends up not really being able to play or can't be the same force, then I think he doesn't get traded at all. But, uh, or, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe they win the championship this year, then they don't trade him. But uh, I don't foresee that happening. They have been a little disappointing. So I would say I would distribute the probabilities of a one-third chance. Well, all right. Now, I'd do it this way. I would say 25% chance next year, 25% chance the year after that, 25% chance the year after that, and 25% chance that it's either later than that or they don't move him at all. Just the fit with Joel is pretty difficult and you know if they win a championship in that period or they're making it to the finals every year maybe they don't do it but uh okay and also i mean even if they do well one of the years i think this is a it seems clear to me that this is a group in the regular season that doesn't work all that well together and so maybe they would just be having such a disappointing regular season that they would decide to do it really interesting i mean this team could lose in the first round like it could it could easily happen they could also make it to the finals this year they could win the championship this year uh a lot of variation so maybe i was a little too glib about the chances that he just sticks around entirely um from at steve song 818 what do you think of a hypothetical De'Aaron fox for ben simmons trade also with ingram and jalen brown's improvement siaka being in this draft as well if he had to redraft we won't go through the whole redraft part of it but a okay so a couple different things so first of all a ben ben simmons functionally cannot be traded during during this season, since he signed that lucrative extension, he is subject to the remnants of the poison pill provision, which basically means that he can't be traded unless the team has a bunch of cap space or a crazy structure of salary that would make it work. Fox 
A is on a more favorable contract because he's still on that rookie scale deal. And Fox is a, he's a peg that can fit in more holes than Ben Simmons. Like Simmons is a really talented player. And I think Simmons has been, has been better. I ranked him higher in my prospect rankings than Fox. But I also don't think that's that Sacramento, not only given their salary structure, but also given their team structure, Simmons would exacerbate, you know, I, I, they, they would still, what they would need defensively to become a really good team would be a challenge. And they have the capacity to retain Fox for just as long as Simmons is signed for, so it's not like they get that benefit. So I don't I don't particularly like it from their perspective. I think it helps make for for the Sixers, it lowers their ceiling, but it raises their floor and expected value because I think Fox just fits better with Embiid to structure an offense. So that would be really useful. And then I think a lot of their other stuff kind of fits in fits in better offensively, defensively. Obviously, Simmons is is a really good player and probably underappreciated. Marcus Shank talking about the Sixers trading for Bogdanovich for the combination of Zaire Smith, Mike Scott, and trade fodder, which would probably have to be some uh, draft pick compensation going forward. Yeah, would love that for the Sixers, depending on what the price is. But I think Bogdanovich would be a realistic get, but uh, someone that they could re-sign. Although uh, you're gonna, you're already gonna be deep into the tax here when Simmons' extension kicks in. I also think it's maybe a little underrated the idea of moving Tobias Harris that I've thought about like Tobias Harris for Drew Holiday. Have I ever mentioned that one before to you? You have not. The, I mean, the idea I being, I don't, I don't love that. I don't love that from New Orleans. Well, well the idea because, being just that Harris is under contract for four more years after this one, and that yeah, he's, and, he's and a the idea being that Harris. So, would your idea be that Zion's playing the five? Yeah, or that you just kind of piece it all together? So you have you have kind of like Harris, Zion, and Hayes, and then you and then another player, and then you just kind of figure yeah. out who's you, best. You could either have player. those guys the three, four, or the four, five, depending on the matchup closing the game. They probably he probably would start at the three, but it's really more about hey, it's tough to get guys in new orleans makes a similar salary to drew although he, he actually makes more i think but it's it, I, i'm not sure it wouldn't make new orleans better in the long term but harris oh, is how, how did we mention all those different configurations for the pelicans and not mention brandon ingram that's the other reason why like if, if ingram hadn't broken out the way he has this year then i would have been more amenable to him. yeah that's true i mean i guess uh, you would really ingram have to be the three harris four zion five I mean, maybe you'd play ingram even at the two yeah, I don't know. You're, you're right. That's with the, with Ingram's growth. That's probably a stupid idea. Um, and sorry for wasting uh time with the Pelicans idea. Um, oh, this is a good one. Thibel stands supreme leader at C Kraus seven. Is Matisse Thibel a long term starter in your opinion? He's 22, but I don't see a world where he isn't constantly improving. In a world where Matisse Thibel is not constantly improving, It'd be a great opening to a, a movie trailer. Well, I think the. Hollinger has talked about this seeing him in person shooting before games looks like the shooting at least in his opinion might have a little bit of room for regression but the way he's been shooting it the aggression he's been shooting it with on the move you have to really like that I do think that with his defensive ability maybe your athleticism starts to wane but that's years from now no I mean he looks like a star level of player the way he's been playing now it's just a question of maybe he just becomes a total non-shooter at some point but no as long as that shot goes in absolutely he's a star level of player no question to me and, and I like the level of disruption that he provides i think it can work within defenses now the foul rate can be a little bit of a concern but yeah i think to me he looks he looks like a starter that has a you know that has a lower ceiling just because i mean he he does some stuff with the ball in his hands but he's not my favorite with that but the world needs players like him so that that's not really a big surprise and i think we're pretty we're uh, we can do one more question okay uh jure eight two three three eight one seven three i guess we're out of time after just reading his handle uh no uh excluding bucks what's the worst philly matchup in the east i would have to go boston just because they're the best team not necessarily i actually think they philly matches up pretty well with them where they don't have a great matchup for Embiid. they've got a lot of size in the perimeter i think they, they can guard walker pretty well uh although walker can cause a few problems for the drop back from Embiid, that they, they might end up having to switch that at the end of games um you know i think they got good guys to guard tatum and hayward and brown which uh, not many teams do to have that much size in the perimeter but just because boston i mean they got an 8.5 net rating I mean, they're just way better than any of these other teams in the east statistically right now and i don't think you know toronto i think they're not gonna be able to score against philly even with the i, I think it, i think it's toronto um yeah. partially I've, i just still have the marcus soul thing in my head you know even though Gasol's yeah. out for a while now i think he could be there in the playoffs and i my big worry is boston scoring against philly just because 
Philly has so many guys that the if Boston tries to create one on one, they just won't be able to get much of anything. Yeah. You know, like Tatum in that series would just have a rough, rough go of it on almost every main matchup. And also, I like both. I mean, Nurse and Stevens are really, really good coaches. I, I believe I had them one and two in my Coach of the Year so far before. But I think Nurse would be more willing to go to unconventional defenses and has better personnel for unconventional. So like, if they go to some weird zone stuff, and Philly just gets flummoxed and gets out of. It. But I mean, remember the the Celtics have played Philly well, but they had a Horford then, so they don't know. Toronto aforementioned twenty four and thirteen nine and eight since the last fifteen and sixty. We talked about some of their injury issues yesterday, and Nick Nurse acknowledging after that that it's going to be some time for Fred Van Vliet, but still seventh in the NBA in net rating at four point six. But they have fallen to 20th on offense. That's where I think they've really missed Siakam and some of these other guys. And that's where we thought it was the most unsustainable. But third in defense, I do think that uh, is quite sustainable. This is a team I thought would be a top five defense before the year. So we'll see whether actually getting everyone healthy. I think they've even missed Gasol's passing and spacing, even if he had been uh, pretty powerless from two-point range so far this year. But still projecting for 54 wins, which would be fourth in the conference. And they will be making the playoffs. Only got three questions here, so we can dig in a, a little bit more. Where do you want to start? I want to start with Antonio Babich. Uh, what is a reasonable return the Raptors could get for Lowry, Ibaka, Gasol, and should they unload any of them? And I will start this with a basic conceit, which is a challenging for Masai, but also I think is the truth, which is for Raptors more so than almost any other team, whether they trade those players is more contingent on what other teams offer. Because if another team really values Marcus and thinks he is, let's say it's an Eastern Conference team and they're worried about Joel Embiid. I mean, I've been floating Boston as a potential Marcus destination for a while. And Boston has a, a lot of different levels of trade asset. If they decide to go higher end, sure, you, you can do it. But my instinct is that mostly because of actually salary matching concerns rather than anything else, I don't think another team is in the has the right level of matching salary, urgency, and assets to make a deal happen. So with those two, I would say, yes, you absolutely should if another team goes a little bit ridiculous, but both of them can help the Raptors this year. They can play the game with bird rights. Maybe even you bring one or both of them back on a one-year contract to maintain flexibility or some sort of non-guarantee in, in the following year to keep, let's call it, Giannis flexibility. And then with Lowry, I think you keep him around for this year next unless something crazy happens because he's an important part of this team. He has been he's been good this year overall for me. I mean, he he deserves, you know, to me he's more of a fringe All-NBA consideration guy right now, but he, he deserves fringe All-NBA consideration. So, no, I don't I, I think with so with the other two it's like if you get bowled over and with him it's like yeah, obviously if you get insanely bowled over, but probably not. Yeah, to me, if there are a way to aggregate those guys together and trade all of them at once, maybe you could get back something significant enough to make it worth it. But if they make a combined, what, like 80 million bucks? So yeah, it makes it pretty difficult there to do that from a salary matching perspective. And I will echo what you were just saying. Uh, Lurk at SH3KAR11. That probably actually spells something that I just don't know what it is. How do you rank the Raptors in the playoffs against the top teams of the East? We talked about their matchup against Philly already. I don't think they would do that well against Philly. I think they just would struggle to score too much. And yeah, they would have the console matchup against Embiid, assuming that he's healthy. Uh, but I especially think that without Kawhi, Lowry, Van Vliet, I mean, those guys would just get so worn down. And I think those guys could have really bad, inefficient series. And some of their guys like Powell or Terrence Davis, I mean, all these guys that they have are pretty much undersized for their positions. And Siakam, he would have a really difficult matchup too. You could be guarded potentially by Embiid, see if his jump shot could enable them to beat that strategy. But then they've also got Al Horford to guard him. They've got Simmons. I think there's just no one who has a good matchup for Toronto. So I don't like them there. Boston, you know, that's, that's interesting. I think I still would pick Boston in that matchup. I'd say Toronto would have a decent chance against Indiana or Miami. I would consider both of those to be like relative toss-ups, assuming Toronto were healthy. But I would say Boston and Philly that they would struggle against. Um, 
again Boston's size might be a little bit of an issue Boston though doesn't necessarily have the guy to guard Siakam so I think that could be pretty big that Siakam going downhill in transition especially they don't necessarily have anyone to stop him and Toronto Boston doesn't have these guys who are going to physically overwhelm you the way Philly does so I think they would actually I wouldn't pick them against Boston again just because Boston has been a little bit better overall and I like boston from a health perspective a little bit more but i think that would actually be a war between those two and toronto when they were healthy was as good as boston was this season from a numbers standpoint so i would pick boston they're gonna have the home court but i think that could be a seven gamer i think i'm a little higher on the raptors than you are i would have them more it would be more than a toss-up but not dramatically more against the heat and the pacers i agree with you on the bucks and sixers so so you you like you would like them to beat the heat and pacers yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I worry about Miami's offense, and I think Miami's defense has been good, but I don't think it can, like, shut yeah. all the way, 100% shut the Raptors down. And the Pacers, we haven't really seen it at full strength. Their ceiling might be higher than people think, but that also might be a year away, just depending yeah. on how— Well, and, and, and also, I do think also— Their forward—the their, the Pacers' forward depth would become a big issue. Like, who's going to guard Siakam in that series? Are they just yeah. going to do the Embiid approach and have one of their bigs do it? Maybe. They, they could they could try that, but I think the also the Raptors, their brand of suffocating defense— but one thing I wanted to mention. Oh, oh re- real uh, quickly in that series sure. too. Number one, you don't know what Old Depot is going to be. I, I'm kind of assuming right. he's going to be back and giving them a fair amount. But I think also Toronto would have the coaching advantage. So yeah, I, the more I think about yeah. it, I would give them uh, yeah. uh, the advantage. So the other team, and this kind of ties in with some of the Old Depot thoughts that I have, is I think that the Raptors would have a, would give Co- Kemba Walker a really tough time because they have Fred Van Vliet who could just be really, really strong, kind of full court, wear him down, sort of like some of the stuff they did with Steph. And then also just having Lowry there as well. Lowry's, Lowry's so physically strong. I can imagine that being hard for Kemba. And remember, Kemba hasn't really faced that sort of heat in a long time. I mean, the, the, the Hornets have not been, not due to Kemba being bad, but they just haven't been in that fire very much. Um, so I could imagine. You know what? I actually think Kemba would do okay against them. Interesting. I, I well, hopefully, I, I would love to see this series. So I, I hope we get it. Um, And there are a couple different ways that it can happen. Actually, I would say the most likely is as the 2-3. Um. But it, you know, it could be four or five, could be putting a couple things. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just more, I'm more bullish, I guess, on the Raptors guard defense and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so it'd be a, I, that'd be a yeah. fun one. So here's my thought on Kemba. I think that Van Vliet does the best as an off-ball guy and it, where he can kind of use his physicality once Kemba has the ball he's so good at setting up screens and he's so much faster than Van Vliet I actually think he could do fine against him and that the Raptors pick and roll defense with Gasol I mean maybe with Tabaka getting out on the floor he could do a little bit better but with Gasol I think he especially coming off this hamstring injury might be a little challenged to get out on the floor and then Boston could attack on the backside if they do get him out there I think Walker could actually have a pretty decent so I mean Toronto's a good defensive team don't get me wrong but I think I don't see him getting totally shut down I think he actually could do okay against Van Vliet in a pick and roll just because he's so quick and he's so good at setting those plays up but um, we're, we're done on time, but I will note this. Eastern Conference Series, Bucks Sixers is obviously my number one for a bunch of different reasons, but Celtics Raptors will be my number two conceptually. I mean, Raptors Miami has been, have had some awesome games. I mean, that first, I think the first round of the East playoffs, uh, I mean, the well, two seven two, and the. Sorry, two, two series of the first round of the East playoffs. The other two series might not be very fun. Yeah, but compared to where the East has been in the past, like to actually have six good teams will be fun. All right, let's finish up here with the Wizards, 12 and 24, 6 and 11 since we last checked in on them, given their injuries. That's a rather impressive accomplishment, I would say. Bradley Beal, questionable for tonight's game with that leg soreness. By the time you listen to this, you'll know whether he played or not. Uh, They're 25th in the NBA, though, with a negative 5.5 net rating. Seventh on offense, that's fallen a, a bit. And 30th with a bullet on defense, they are a good two points per 100 or so worse than everyone else. But still projecting for 31 wins, amazingly, which would be a tie for ninth in the Eastern Conference. 20% chance of the playoffs per 538, which uh, I've actually ruled them out of the playoffs already in uh, my little competition with Hollinger, in which we have picked all of the same teams pretty much so far. <laughs> but that, that'll change uh basketball jones when will scott brooks be fired it does seem like it's coming to an inflection point here he has he's under contract for seven million next year uh you remember dean oliver joined his staff brooks has been open to that i mean yeah they haven't really defended this year but their talent sucks usually though if you're the worst defense in the league no matter your talent that's not indicative of good defensive coaching they're 
guys who have been able to get something out of even really bad talent but yeah i mean they've haven't had any kind of the one time he's had a real defensive big man on the floor which is Jan mahimi they actually have defended passably at least the last time i looked at it which was a couple weeks ago what do you think i i, I mean could he there is an inflection point coming up here where warren legary is his agent he doesn't like guys going into the last year of his contract they're going to go in the last year of his contract they're going to extend him based on this year do they just let it play out i don't know if scott brooks would be like so in demand but i think he's doing an okay job this year I think that like in the NFL, a lot of NBA teams are a little bit not they're they're not aggressive enough when a coach is is decent but not great. Like I mean the real value adds there aren't that many of them, but I would as long as the owner is willing to pay, I would more aggressively cycle until you find that person. So for me Scott Brooks is pretty clearly in that camp. And the OKC teams defended really well in his early years. They also I think they had underrated defensive talent on those squads. But I mean and it's not Scott Brooks's fault that the Wizards are the last last team of defense. Their defense of talent is abysmal but if he's not the answer and i don't think that he is then you try to find somebody else and i don't know who that is i'm not an expert on the assistants and i don't think there's a a fired coach that will be that you know the brad stevens nick nurse nate mcmillan in the regular season value add type of type of person but we'll see yeah i I think they'll want to see what it looks like when john wall's back too that, that's entirely possible. For me, I would rather get a different coach in who has a, has a better idea. Um, or, or like, has, you know, we can do something there. Um, Manny Oliveras, this is... A- uh, sorry, not the, sorry. John D. Charlie Gibson's are kind of t- t- kind of combined. Uh, should the Wizards consider trading Jan Mahinmi's expiring contract for a useful guy and a longer deal? Yes, I think they should. And uh, so I've been writing the series of pieces for the Athletic on teams and kind of what kind of flexibility they'll have. And the Wizards are are in the kind of the in between group. And the reason why is because of Davis Bertans. Because basically, if they let him go, then they could have like a non-zero but not super valuable amount of cap space. And teams in that space. Oftentimes what they should do is they should trade an expiring salary for a player on a contract, either for asset purposes or basically as a second mid-level exception, because the Wizards have enough flexibility to, they could theoretically get that guy and then Bertans, you just have to see where the market goes on him and then use the mid-level exception. They'd be cool on all that. And depending on the duration of all these contracts, Ted Leonsis, they're not going to go into the luxury tax. So the Wizards aren't good this year. They're you know projected for 31 wins. They Many of the Jan Mahinmi trades would actually up upgrade them at least at full strength so yeah i I think they should do that and then the the construction of it whether it is a bad contract plus asset or it is a maybe an overpriced player would depend on what offers are on the table question from rob mcintyre about how things would change when the Wiz get healthy i assume he's talking about for this year yeah good question right i think troy brown has looked good coming off the bench my guess is that they will like him better in that role so he can get more of the on-ball reps that he's been thriving with. I think they'll probably go back to their original starting lineup, as crazy as that sounds, uh, with Hachimura and Bryant and bringing Bertans off the bench. Maybe you want to start Bertans just so that when you go into free agency, he has a little bit better of a feeling about things. And, I mean, Ish Smith has been having like these absolute monster games, so I think you probably go back to starting him uh, over Isaiah Thomas uh, at this point in time but uh maybe isaiah will be a little prickly about that but i mean right now brooks has been basically going with the hot hand i mean they've been starting some of these guys like gary payton the the second and if those guys are going well he'll play more minutes so he's had minutes where the stars or games where the stars are playing 15 minutes so difficult to anticipate but i do think they'll still that braun is probably going to not start and just because he's been having success in that role we'll see though i'm uh actually i haven't seen whether he started the last couple of games yeah now it looks like that he finished the game in against the celtics but that would imply that he didn't start it um uh, i have a question i want to do yeah. from at carlito taquito three if either one of us was in charge uh what would some of your next steps as the wizards general manager be um build around beal trade him bertans for future assets as a point of clarification bradley beal cannot be traded this year due to the extension that he signed um the the way it works is you can't be traded for six months six months from his extension is after the trade deadline so he cannot be traded until june he could be traded in june and i would my instinct would be that this team isn't even at quote-unquote full strength which we haven't really seen with wall and and but bertans and all those types of guys together to me they're not good enough to to move the needle so as long as beal is you know generating the type of interest i expect i would be heavily considering moving him i wouldn't move wall just because his value can't really get much lower than it is and then bertans is challenging because it really it's calibrating his market and his willingness to return 
my instinct is that he will be properly paid or close to it. And since he, since the Wizards are presumably, if they're rebuilding, like I would say, then they're going to be a younger team. Probably just let him go. But the most important part of it that I think Tommy Shepard might get wrong is that there, there are no sacred cows in their rotation. Hashimura, Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, to me, Mo Wagner, a lot of those guys have, have looked good and some of them have exceeded my expectations, but none of them are have done so well that their spot in the rotation should be locked in at all. So like, if you can get a better center than Thomas Bryant, do it. Don't don't say, oh, we have our we have our starting center. Yeah, he's under he's not perfect, but he's 8.3. If you can get a good center, go after it. All, all those types of things. And I think sometimes, especially if they acquired or re-signed the guy, general managers are, t- they're, they're too reluctant to make those kind of aggressive choices, which are, are absolutely warranted if it's the best prospect available or the best free agent available. All right, we got time for more. Or are we done? I actually forgot to start the timer with the Wizards, so All right, let's whatever do, let's you want to do. Light, lightning run here. I, I got like two more minutes. Uh, how effective can Bertans be on a contender? Is he worth giving up late first? Yes, absolutely, especially because he comes with full bird rights. Um, how differently would we view them if they kept Ubre and developed into a nice third or fourth guy? Low-key, Danny, because Ubre has been solid in Phoenix this year and he's starting to shoot the ball better good transition player they don't have really you know troy braun to me might still be better as a bench guy or as a two threes are about the hardest thing to find i mean what an atrocious trait for them at this point especially because he came at a relatively cheap price in the end in, in restricted free agency that's one that we has kind of slipped under the radar but they clearly weren't going to contend last year they got a reason right. he wasn't and, any good and, and remember that the wizards could have paid him and stayed under the luxury tax yeah they could have structured i mean they used a bunch of kind of like exceptions right. they got you know well because well, they made the porter trade i think that's uh, that's what wasn't foreseen yes. at the time and yeah because the 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 Ariza trade was made basically at the beginning of the trade window and then the auto porter trade was made at the very end all right that's probably enough to wrap it up here we will be back tomorrow a little bit of a fun hodgepodge get to the rest of our awards that we didn't have time for last week take some comments on the top prospects list uh, got some great tweets uh, on that so looking forward to uh any other news as well that comes on the pike so a little bit of a, a hodgepodge episode for you tomorrow so please tune in and don't forget about hollinger and duncan as well and the nba cast will be today likely as you're listening to that thursday at 7 eastern 4 pacific boston and philly we will talk to y'all then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.